Welcome everybody to the Armenian Institute 20th Anniversary Celebratory Podcast, where we're speaking to the founders, performers, movers and shakers of the Armenian Institute over the past 20 years. I'll be your host for this series. My name is Ardur Egi and I'm a trustee here at the Armenian Institute. was also the former editor of Bardez magazine. The interviews have been recorded on Zoom and at our new offices in person in Farringdon. With great thanks to the Tanyelian family and our major donors who've made this happen. You may hear the rest of our team working hard in the background, so please do excuse the typing and our central London neighbours as we have had the windows open. You're now listening to interviews with friends of the AI and some of our notable performers. Part one. Today we're speaking with Rebecca Jinks, a lecturer in modern history at the Royal Holloway University of London, and she's the current chair of the Armenian Institute. Hi, Becky. Thank you for coming to speak to us. Hi, Ada. Thanks for, for inviting me. Can we start with how did you get involved with the Armenian Institute, please? I gave a research talk at the Wiener uh, Holocaust Library about seven years ago. It was just on some research that I was starting to do on Armenian women who were absorbed, should we say, into Turkish or Kurdish or Arab households during the genocide of 1915. And in the audience was Nuritza Matossian, who came up to me afterwards and one thing very much led to another. And I ended up being kind of co-opted um, onto the AC, uh, which Nuritza I know has done quite a lot <laughs> over the years with a number of our members of the AC. Including uh, me. Including you, including Tatiana, so that's three trustees, sure. (laughs) I came to a few other events and then I was invited onto the AC and then I was invited to become a a trustee, I think just after you, Arda, actually. And then I became chair when Annie King Underwood stepped down. Wow. And uh, how has it been so far? I was anticipating that question. It's been a bit bewildering, really, in, in many ways. I mean... How is it that a non-Armenian who speaks barely any Armenian is chair of trustees of an Armenian arts and cultural charity? Um, I mean, a trustee, fine, is a different role. I think I was brought on largely because of my academic background and people seem to think anyway that I'm kind of sensible, um, which which I think you need as a trustee. And fine, I'm, I'm not a director. I certainly shouldn't be doing that role. But I think me not being Armenian does actually say something very profound about AI. We're not interested in exclusivity, uh, in kind of maintaining those borders and boundaries and fixed ideas about ethnicity, you know, who's allowed to be involved in what and how and why. We're actually interested in making connections with non-Armenians who are interested in Armenianness or who have things in common with us, who you know want to enjoy similar music or try slightly different food or learn a different variant of Armenian or, or just talk about issues like migration and diaspora and genocide that affect people who aren't Armenians as well. I think we reflect that within the staff and trustee organization where we do have non-Armenians who are very much invested in the Armenian Institute and what we do here. And I think, yeah, it's testament to that, that you've been an excellent chair. While you have been chair and while you've been a trustee, obviously the Armenian Institute received its large grants and has made changes, grown quite significantly into the charity we see here now. And obviously I'm doing this interview from our new premises in Farringdon, something that again was overseen during your time 
current time as well. So what are your thoughts on that? Did you expect when you first joined the AI to be kind of chairing a bit of a larger organization? I think we just all reached that point in maybe 2018-19 of feeling like we'd hit the ceiling in the basement of St Sarkis, um, if that's not too many metaphors going around. We had people who came to like most events that we put on. We were doing really great things, but we couldn't actually grow. And I think the most important thing is that we had this amazing library and archives that were in storage in Scotland because of the flood, and I'd never seen them. And as a historian, like having books and archives not there that I technically had some responsibility for was kind of torturous. So for a while, we've been trying to find this new space. And then it just sort of combined with Susan Patty had suggested doing a National Lottery Heritage Fund grant. And at that time, we had Ruby Chobagian working for us kind of very part time. And originally, we we thought about doing a grant for maybe £20,000. And Ruby was like, well, why not make it two hundred? And, you know, let's get the staff to put in that space and, and really, really grow. So it was totally unexpected. But I think we've done really quite well out of it overall. I think we're doing very well. As I say, judging from everyone I've spoken to, um, coming from all parts of the AI story, everyone has been very impressed and particularly about the work we've been doing over the past year and a half two years during the pandemic when we made that switch to zoom events Mm -hmm. allowing us to reach a wider audience and again maybe we have a group that's maybe not all Cypriot Armenian like myself so we are able to reach Mm -hmm. a wider um, range of backgrounds and peoples Um, Over the past seven years, is there a particular event that you've attended or listened to that sticks out, a particular favourite perhaps? Maybe this will sound a bit dark. It's to do with my research, I suppose. I thought our genocide commemoration this year was really interesting. So back onto that Neighbours theme, we were looking at rescuers from other communities, non-Armenians who helped Armenians during the genocide. I thought that was really well put together. We had people from all sorts of different spaces talking about these these issues um, and how they affect us in, in the current day. Um, and so maybe, like I said, it's a bit dark, but I thought you know it was, it was well put together. If I may say, I think that you know, my fa- absolute favourite thing that AI has produced, that is not an event, it's the soundscape that two of our staff, Olivia and Noosh, put together for, for April 24 this year. Um, it's called Unseen Singers. It's it's absolutely haunting and beautiful whilst also being really kind of simply put together. So if you're listening and you've not yet heard it, go and find it. It's on YouTube. You can find it and watch it. <laughs> it's turning out there's a lot more archives about the Armin Institute available, whether they are currently at the AI or need to be gathered remains to be seen. But we are hoping to put a lot more of them online going forward. Mm. Do you have a birthday message perhaps for the Armenian Institute? AI has had a fabulous last 20 years. Obviously, we need to archive them a little bit better. So here's to the next 20, absolutely bigger and better and fully documented. So, Becky, obviously, now as the current chair of the AI, where do you see the AI going in the near future? What are your hopes for the Institute? I want us to be able to make the most of the space that we've now got and people to use the library and archives. That's what I'd like to see in the next Five odd years. Yeah, so that'd be great now that we have uh, the beautiful rolling stacks mm-hmm. and uh, the books being catalogued yeah. and very <laughs> temptingly put all over this room that I'm currently sitting. It will be great to have people, researchers, academics, yeah. or just your general readers coming in to access the lovely collection we have. Having spoken to a number of people, say for this series, the Charles Dowsett book 
collection is at the heart of the founding and it'd be great that we can make it available to a wider audience um, and you know people can discover the treasures in the library that kind of donation is really important to us we've got about eight archival collections at the moment covering everything from Manchester um, Armenians through to Christopher Walker's exhibition uh, through to of course the Charles Dalsett we're you know open for this kind of um, donation absolutely I think it's important to keep the Armenian cultural history of the UK together, if we can. And AI is, is going to be a really good home for that kind of thing. This afternoon, I'm speaking with Levon Chilingirian, a key mover and shaker in the AI history, a key performer, having done many of our birthday events, as well as helping out on pretty much every occasion. Levon, thank you for being here with me today. Can you tell us a bit about your involvement with AI? I was basically one of the helpers right from the beginning, certainly as the, the root, if you like, of the Armenian Institute, of course, was the creation of the library. Unfortunately, I was the first one in on the Sunday morning when the basement flooded after a downpour. And, you know, I was trying to rescue who are the Armenians books that had been freshly printed in their second edition, trying to put them in the boiler room next door. And then the last chapter is when a wonderful donor, um, Rafi Tanyelian, has given the Armenian Institute a great space in Clerkenwell in the last couple of years in the pandemic, they think that the activities of the Armenian Institute are the best in the world in the Armenian diaspora. And I think that's a, it's something that maybe we shouldn't take for granted because those of us who you know, carry the books up and down, serve the drinks and clean up the floor and all the things that we very happily do, sometimes tend to forget how important a part of not only London life, but the international life through Zoom that the Armenian Institute has become. And uh, I think that is very, very important. Another thing I remember very well when SOAS, which is such a, a huge institution in, in, in the life of the UK, offered a space to the Armenian Institute to do a a survey of um, what was called hidden treasures, but it was based on a set of postcards, which was collected by, by a Turkish man um, who started off the story with uh, his daughter coming home from school in, in Marash, I think it was, and saying, well, Baba, 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 you know, we were told today that my, this, our town has always been Turkish, completely, for centuries. And he went straight away to the nearest sort of book shop and got, you know, immediately found 10 postcards, old postcards showing the Armenian shops and the Greek church and pointed out to his daughter that no, other people lived in these towns, many other people, but mainly Armenians. Obviously, Lavon, you have attended as a guest, as a helper, but 
there's no small part you played in your performances for AI. For example, I very much remember our 16th um, anniversary, you very kindly did a concert in Piccadilly. There was the concert in Wigmore Hall, and there have been many other events I know that you've been um, very much part of. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe one of the concerts or what have been your favorite events or how you enjoy performing, working with the AI? The most touching, and, and the, for me, actually, the, the, I suppose it's one of the most important things that, that I did was uh, when, when we got a group of young Armenian instrumentalists in, in the Navart Gubenkian Hall. And uh, they ranged from eight, nine years old to maybe 18, 19, one or two, maybe even older. We got together and we worked on Armenian music as an ensemble, as a sort of large chamber group. And at the end of the afternoon, the, the, the parents and the families came and we gave a, a mini concert. I think that was very important, not only to introduce Armenian music to the younger players, but then for us to play together, because I've spent my life really as a chamber musician um, with, with the quartet and also with my duo with Clifford Benson. So the idea of playing together is an art and it's a very important art. It's, it's to do with human life. It's to do with conversation. It's how we get on, how we get on with people when we're capable to not only to talk, but to listen. And chamber music is very much a, a sort of lesson in, in life. And I think this was great that the youngest and the older ones and me, the oldest, get together and um, we, we have fun making music together, listening to each other, helping each other. So I would say that certainly was an, an, an incredible event for the future. And uh, I'm really sorry through various circumstances, of course, the last of which is COVID, that we couldn't physically do it um, recently, but I would love to do something like that again and um, catch the next generation. It, it was lovely. I mean, one of the main stories that, that I told the young people is that these pieces now that we know as gomitas, were actually a, a, a song sung by a village girl. And he happened to be there on, you know, March the 23rd and notated it in the morning. And then in the evening took, took all the villagers to, um, you know, to their sort of meeting place. And he would say to the young girl, right, uh, can I sing back to you the song you sang this morning? Just tell me if I got it right. And he would do it. And the first reaction from the young girl would be, but hi, sir, father, why are you wasting your time with villagers like us? Number one. Number two, she would say, yes, but I don't really remember. Uh, and anyway, tomorrow I sing it different. Our music is music of the East. 
it is not music of the West. And all you have to do is look at the map of where Armenia sits. And however much in Soviet times, um, they tried to make it music of the West, underneath it's very much looking eastward. Well, hopefully in the coming months, coming years, when things calm down a bit, we can travel a bit more, or we just do it on Zoom, we can do some more events bringing these people and the music together. So, Levon, would you be able to give a birthday message to AI now that it's turn, turning 20? What would you like to say? <laughs> My birthday message is, first of all, to the, the group who founded the Armenian Institute, um, who are now spread all around the world. Thank you for your vision. And thank you for all the incredible hours you put into it. And, you know, already um, we've lost one of the main movers and shakers, Ani. And then my birthday message is to you, the younger generation who have picked up the baton, are running with it. Keep the spirit of what the Armenian Institute is about which is to be searching about our culture and our lives in the world. In other words, connecting with other things that are happening around us and not looking inwardly, but looking outwardly. Today I'm speaking with Gigi Young. Uh, hi Gigi, thanks for speaking with us all the way from Dubai. Thanks for having me. Gigi was one of our trustees. So Gigi, I'm gonna ask you, how did you first get involved with the Armenian Institute? So we moved to, in, to London in 2000 and I had just remarried and had a third child. So uh, I had two older kids who, had grown up in LA and were really desperate to kind of reconnect with some Armenian kids, Armenian events, and they were craving that. So AI was a huge, huge benefit to me and my, and my family because we really missed the Armenian connection. We missed any way to identify and connect with our Armenian heritage. So for us, AI was it. For teenagers and my youngest, it was really a lifesaver. And I'm so flattered that you've asked me to speak because it was already set up and running when we got there. We were just so excited to be a part of that, you know, first stage of whatever was going on. And Susan, Susan was my contact and Susan and Levon, you know, we, we kind of got introduced to everybody through them. And we just really felt like that kept us going, you know, because London is a kind of a can be a cold, dark place. So right. did you already right. know Susan and Levon then? Is that how you got involved? Uh, I, I had met Susan. It's a very small world through some friends back in California uh, who knew her sister from Paris. And I think I had met Susan through the uh, AWA, through the Armenian International Women's Association. Ah, okay. Uh, I think when I had been there in 96. 
But from 2001 on, boy, we were really, really excited to be a part of any event that AI organized. And then Susan invited me to get involved in the sort of trustee board of directors or whatever they called it at the time. And I was just, I, you know, I was just happy to do whatever I could because we benefited so much from it. There was nothing like that in L.A., although L.A. is a huge community. There's so many things going on in LA. You, you're, it's almost an embarrassment of choices. But you know, in London, for us, AI just was accessible. It was light. It was, you know, we we could pop in, pop out, come in to hear things that we wanted to hear about. The bazaar, I have to say, the Christmas bazaar was always our favorite event because it was a family event. And there was something for everybody. And I was just completely taken aback at how informative and how they were involved in researching and and academia, but in a way that was accessible to everyone. So everybody walked away feeling like they had learned something, something interesting about Armenian culture, Armenian history, food, music, whatever it may have been at that time. Fantastic. And I take it you continued to support and attend events before you became a trustee? Very shortly, Susan invited me to get more involved in the um, planning and admin of AI. So I loved it. I loved every minute. I loved everybody I met. So it was really a remarkable experience for all of us. Fantastic. And so now you're living in Dubai. Have you kept up with what the AI has been doing? Have you been involved in some of the online uh, offerings that we're having? So thankfully, I do still know how to work my um, email. So I I get the emails from Gagik and Susan, and I have checked in and out and seen the fantastic programs that you guys are doing. I think it's even grown since I've been there and I, and I miss it. And I'm hoping that eventually I'll be able to spend more time back in London and get re-involved. Well, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So you did mention that your kids also enjoyed the AI. Do you think they had a particular favorite event or was it also the vernissage for them? The vernissage was a big event for them because um, having two boys, they love the food aspect of it. But I think for, for example, my elder elder son who went on to study at SOAS, he met Baron Krikor, Professor Krikor Moskovian, and he ended up taking classes with him in uh, Armenian. So yeah, I think that impacted Rafi uh, on a whole other level to actually consider studying Armenian. So I think Talar also, she made friends, it encouraged them to take Armenian classes at the school in Acton, I think it was. So it all had a kind of a knock-on effect for us, and it really helped us to retain whatever, you know, little Armenian identity that we, we hold on to. It helped us to, to keep it and let it grow. And then that's helped us now that we've been here in Dubai, because Dubai is a very, it's an interesting place, but the Armenian community is quite fragmented. So the only way we get involved in anything is we go to church on, on Friday. Hopefully, maybe they'll develop some things here. But for us, yeah, the Armenian Institute was really our, our lifeline while we lived in London for 10 years. Well, that, that's wonderful. Um, as I say, now that we have pivoted to more online offerings, given the pandemic, we are getting a lot of participants, people listening in from around the world. So hopefully you and your, you know, the rest of the community in Dubai will be able to log in and, you know, enjoy some of our events. You're a global institute now. (laughs) 
do you have a birthday message for AI? I wish you many more years of being an anchor for Armenians in London, uh, but you are now also, your ripple effect reaches Armenians in Europe, all over the diaspora. So I think you started off small, but now you, you guys have really you know, fill the void for diaspora and Armenians. And I think even now Armenians and Armenia look, look to you to perhaps examine their history and what has gone before. I think that that is where the magic lies. And I think that's going to help us survive. I really do. Thank you. Thank and you I think much. what you do is, is, is priceless. Today we're speaking with Laurence Agopian-Jololian, who has been a member of the AC for many, many years and a key volunteer and playmaker of the Armenian Institute. Hi, Laurence. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Laurence, can we start by, can you tell us how you became involved in the Armenian Institute, please? I was aware of the Armenian Institute since I arrived in London. That would be August... 2000 now. From family and friends connection, I was introduced to uh, various events, got interested, became a member, attended events, and from there I made friends with uh, people from the Armenian Institute, and via Annie King Underwood, I just got introduced to becoming more active in the Institute itself. So this is how it happened. And I'm very pleased. <laughs> and going from those early years, was there a particular event that you enjoyed that stood out, maybe one of your favourite? I wouldn't say as in a favourite or a more enjoyable, as I think the Armenian Institute is covering such a wide range of events, lectures from eye doctors to can delete piano concert. It's hard to pick one. What I like is keeping that open mind and coming to any event, knowing that the speaker has been chosen carefully for either what they've done, what they're planning to do, their involvement in um, their field, and that no matter how much I know about the subject, and that's a very interesting point. I know I'm going to learn something and something that will be in my grasp. <laughs> I think what has been coming across from a lot of the podcasts we've been having and speaking to people, that the AI is doing a very good job in having that balance between kind of academic but also accessible. So there's, depending on what you want to get out from the events, there is something for everyone but it is bringing Armenian culture out to hopefully a wider audience who, who can kind of access, as you say. And open your eye on something and your mind on something you didn't know happened, don't know is happening <laughs> or might happen in the future. Yeah. And this is how you were aware. Just this being exposed to so many subjects with just one, the one Armenian Institute. You, you can expect everything, anything. So I, I think that's the main point for me. 
Fantastic. And have you been able to enjoy some of our online offerings over the past year and a half? Well, I have been on and off and thanks to uh, being able to replay stuff now. <laughs> because the replay, I think, has been a bouée de sauvetage, life-saving thing for all of us. Because managing sometimes family life and uh, attending an event, if you don't leave the house, it's not always as easy as when you close the door and just go. So I've been able to catch up with a lot of stuff. And, and I think the ability to um, embrace the events, the having to update so quickly and being able to carry on for the Institute has been really impressive. I oh, very much agree with you there. I think hats off to the team at the Armenian Institute who put together such a full calendar and yet made it available for people to watch it in their own time if they're unable to catch it on that particular evening. And hopefully that's something we can continue by building on our video and listening archives um, as we go forward. Yeah, I think it's fantastic, as well as opening the Institute to uh, international audiences. Exactly. Sometimes. <laughs> what like, an opportunity. <laughs> exactly. I think it has been kind of been said in not quite a blessing in disguise, but we have found the silver lining in the clouds. Absolutely. Probably, it's probably a better metaphor. Finding a silver in lining. Balance. <laughs> yeah. Looking on the bright side. Looking on the bright side of finding the silver lining. Um, we've been able to reach further audiences and no longer be limited to physical presence in London. However, that is still a core audience group. I, I think as a lot of people, I'm looking forward to uh, stepping back inside a space and sharing events with um, live audiences and being able to interact. And have a glass of wine afterwards. Sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Obviously, you know, you've been a member of the committee for quite a while now and you've seen the AI grow from being in the basement, organizing events more ad hoc to what it is now. Are you surprised about the development of the AI? It's a well-deserved upgrade, update for the Armenian Institute. I mean, the Armenian Institute has overcome every situation from floodings to um, not having the space, the right space to organize this or this, finding answers and dealing with uh, technical issues, space issues, planning issues, this and that issues that happen when you organize online or in-person events, I think. So now this space is really good. <laughs> it feels really nice and frankly, uh, well-deserved. For our listeners, this is Laurence's first time in our space in Farringdon. No. We've been looking at the I lovely... Move, I am moved <laughs> by the space. It's really great. It's very bright. There are accents of red everywhere and there's very beautiful rolling stacks. So for those of you, when you get the opportunity to come and visit us, you can enjoy the room as well. Trying very hard to make sure they stay on the shelves and not wander into my bag. Don't tell Gagig Stepan Sarkisyan. <laughs> he won't know. He won't know. <laughs> Wonderful. Do you have a birthday message for the Armenian Institute? I wish the Armenian Institute 
endless birthdays, many, many years, and um, hoping to participate and carry on and carry on with the amazing work the Institute is doing. Thank you very much to all the guests we've spoken to. We wouldn't be here without you, and I myself have learned a lot. I hope you have too. And if you've enjoyed this programme, please come and join us as we celebrate the 20th anniversary through other events. Further details can be found at armenianinstitute.org.uk. And this is Arda signing off. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.